Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. Today we're going to be talking about a report that surprised me, interested me, and so I wanted to make sure I shared this with all of our listeners. We're going to be talking about a report that the Shelton Group put out, and it's called Millennial Pulse. One of the things that they found is that millennials are less likely to recycle, but more likely to buy from companies that go green. And we're going to dive into the specifics of their report, and I'm really excited to have Virginia Vowell, a senior research analyst at Shelton Group, on the show with us today to walk us through their findings. So welcome to Go Green Radio, Virginia. It's great to have you on. Thanks, Jill. Glad to be here. Well, we're going to be talking about a new report that you guys released, um, and it addresses a variety of attitudes towards sustainability among a pretty large sampling of millennials. And before we get into the details, I'd like for you to talk to us about who benefits from this report. Who is the target audience for your survey results? Well, I think it, it would be interesting to anyone who, like you, is interested in these kind of sustainability issues and what's going on out there, what people are thinking and doing. Um, but really, our target audience is companies who are kind of looking to crack the code on how they should talk to millennials about sustainability and the environment and their own role in that. Mm-hmm. And that is tough because they're not an easy generation to pin down. Uh, they're fiercely independent. But you guys did pick up on some interesting, not generalities, but trends. Uh, but talk to us about the survey methodology. I mean, how did the Shelton Group ensure that you had a good sampling of millennials? And give us some idea about you know, how you ensured the efficacy of this survey. Okay. Well, we have a third-party provider that we partner with um, regularly to do these pulse studies, and they have an online panel of over three and a half million users just in the U.S., so we use them to help us, and we had a sample of a 1,000 millennials, and we mirrored the overall demographics of millennials in the U.S. um, through that sample, so we feel like it's a really good representation of that cohort. As you said, it's it's a, a big cohort. It's kind of difficult to target being so diverse, really. Um, so we kind of tried to capture that in our sample. And were you looking at demographics, location, those types of things? What were some of the factors that you used in the methodology? Yes, we, we did use geography, age, gender, education, and race. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Now let's dive into the findings because this is where the rubber meets the road. Um, the report states that generally speaking, millennials don't trust companies' sustainability claims. Talk to us about this issue in more detail, Virginia. Okay. Well, I think we've all heard the stereotype that millennials are pretty skeptical about the claims that they hear from companies and that they're less brand loyal than previous generations have been. And that does hold true on the surface. And we asked them how they felt about company claims regarding environmental and sustainability business practices. And 72% of them were neutral to skeptical. Um, And then only 36% of them said that they placed their trust in companies. So that's kind of a big challenge for companies to hear that. But, I mean, you can kind of imagine why that is. Um, This generation has spent their entire lives being inundated 
by messaging from companies and brands, and they've grown up in an era when everybody's mistakes, and that includes companies, are broadcast all over the news, all over social media. They've kind of seen behind the curtain. Um, so they have a healthy dose of skepticism when it comes to this stuff. There are ways to overcome it, and, and we'll probably get pretty deep into that here in a bit. Absolutely. Now, despite what millennials say about their lack of trust in companies' sustainability claims, many of them could actually name a brand that they do trust when it comes to sustainability. And I'd really love for you to go into some detail um, and talk about some of the brands that they named because I was kind of surprised by by a few of them that made the list. (laughs) So uh, talk to us about your findings. (laughs) Yeah. So were we. We were surprised, too. Um, and, and the conclusion we came to, I think, is kind of the crux of this, really. But um, we, we, 43% of them um, could name a brand unaided, um, you know, not looking at a list, just coming up with it off the top of their heads. And, of course, you had a lot of the usual suspects like Patagonia, Whole Foods, The Honest Company, um, and that kind of thing. But what we really were surprised by was how many of them mentioned companies like Walmart, Apple, Amazon. Now, I myself am barely a millennial. Um, I'm just <laughs> at the top of the range. But, so I grew up kind of hearing these like stories about how, how a lot of these companies were doing all these bad things. Um, and so I kind of thought of them as the bad guys. And some of us around here kept looking at this going, what is the deal with these companies? And um, I'll mention Daniel a couple of times. He is a colleague of mine who is on the other end of the millennial spectrum. He's very young. He's in his early 20s. And he, I said, Daniel, what, why? Why are these companies showing up on this list? He's like, well, I mean, why not? What, what's the problem? And he just didn't kind of, he hadn't internalized that same narrative about those brands that I had growing up. Um, and to him, they were all kind of on a level playing field. Um, and they all had a, had a chance to tell this sustainability story. And, and some of them, have really tried to do that um, in recent years. And, you know, that message is resonating with millennials and causing them to mention companies like Walmart or Apple um, as a brand they trust when it comes to environment and sustainability. And that's so interesting because, you know, we think of millennials as this, you know, the digital natives with all of this information at their fingertips, constantly at their fingertips, literally on their phones. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, history like the Foxconn incident with Apple and Bangladesh factory fires for Walmart. Some of these, like you said, huge sustainability related issues to these companies even though millennials could access that information, they're not. They're kind of looking at what's right here, right now. That's really interesting. Um, and and were there any other insights into, you know, that particular issue that your report, you know, kind of highlights or that you found? Well, I think the thing that unites those more surprising brands is that they are really really, really big companies, really big brands. So their potential to do good in the world is large. Um, You know, whether they do it or not, it's there. And so I think what a lot of these millennials are latching onto is like, hey, if they decide they're going to make a difference, they really can. Interesting. Your, Your report also found that millennials are significantly more concerned about climate change than the general population. What are some of the most pressing issues related to climate change that concern millennials? Well, what we asked them about specifically was their, 
were there concerns um, over climate change related to their own quality of life and their children's quality of life. And a lot of them do not have children yet and may not even be thinking too much about it, but 76% of them were concerned about climate change's effect on their quality of life. 82% were concerned about their children's quality of life. And that compares to last year, 46% of everybody else had this concern. So you can see not only are they more concerned, they feel like it's something that's getting worse. And so they see it as affecting their children even more than it affects them. And that's something they're really worried about. Interesting. Now, how might companies take that piece of information and use it to market to millennials? We're kind of getting to the heart of the report here. Um, <laughs> since they are concerned about, about things like climate change and they see this as a really big problem, really difficult to address, what you're going to hear later is about a lot of these individual activities, they just feel like they can't quite do enough to solve such a big problem on their own. So that's why they're turning to these bigger companies and brands and they're kind of looking for partners with more power that can help them address these issues. Mm-hmm. And now in terms of some of the things that they define as, as personal problems or problems that are related to their children's uh, quality of life with climate change, were there any specifics that they offered or was it just simply that climate change, you know, as a, as a global, huge monolithic issue was of concern? We didn't go into the specifics of climate change for this report. Um, in some of our other Pulse reports, there, there are more questions related to it. But this one was more general. Got you. Got you. Now, you mentioned that millennials are significantly less likely to be engaged in some of the easy, sustainable behaviors than other age cohorts. Talk to us about what you found in that regard. Yeah, that was surprising, I think, to a lot of us. Um, and, and I think that's where that kind of broad perspective comes into play that they have, um, which is where, you know, they're kind of feeling like what's been done up until now, you know, re- all this focus on recycling and not littering, that's great. But things are still getting worse. So I think they've kind of taken a look around and gone, okay, well, that, all that's good, that's fine. But we need a bigger solution because this isn't going away. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that's why those individual activities, there's not as much focus on them. And that breaks my heart (laughs) because (laughs) (laughs) I've been in the environmental education industry for 15 years. And during that time, I mean, I work with schools across the country and I am seeing landfills become landfills and they're closing down. (laughs) And they're, you know, in some parts of the country, like especially on the East Coast, where we're densely populated, um, they are not zoning new landfills. And so we're left with choices like exporting, you know, waste to other states or, you know, building facilities that turn, you know, waste into energy. And those are difficult to zone as well. And so um, though companies that are large, you know, have an opportunity to do a lot of good um, under one roof, I mean, there's no denying that individuals make a huge difference. I mean, if people don't recycle, if people don't, uh, you know, try to reduce their waste or, or compost, um, you know, our, our waste issue becomes 
almost insurmountable because a lot of, you know, government agencies are kind of left holding the bag on what to do with all of this. People are still throwing things away, but the number of places for it to go are, you know, terribly diminished. And so, um, boy, I hope we can turn this around and use this uh, survey as a way to, to do a little wake-up call here and, and use this information for educational purposes. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, there'll be much, much more with Virginia. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. And just in case you've only now tuned in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Virginia Vowell, and she is a senior research analyst with the Shelton Group. And they have just put out a brand new report called Millennial Pulse. And they surveyed 1,000 millennials, making sure that they covered um, a very well-represented um geography, race, gender, education level sampling of millennials across the country. And they have found some really interesting insights about their attitudes towards sustainability. And we were just talking before the break about how millennials are less likely to be engaged in personal sustainability behaviors like recycling and things like that. And Virginia, I wanted to give you a little more time to 
to reflect on that and give us some of the insights that you have there. Sure. Well, I think um, you and I were both getting a little sad about this. <laughs> so yep. I want to put a little uh, a little um, perspective on that 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 I've kind of seen and from talking to other millennials. Um, you know this this issue of we asked them about the habits they would be embarrassed about if people knew they did or didn't have them. And I think we expected that these numbers would be very high, like tossing trash out the car window or not mm-hmm. recycling things. And the numbers maybe weren't as high, but I, I just want to remind ourselves that those are attitudes and not behaviors. So we're not saying that 60% of them are tossing trash out the window, but they are merely um, thinking about their level of embarrassment related to those things. And I, I theorize a little bit that they would never do that. So it's sort of a moot point to them, and that's kind of what I'm hoping at least there, is that partly it's that these things are more and more taken for granted maybe, so they are not, as, not thinking about them in the same way. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting because that actually leads to the question that I'd like to ask you next because that part of the survey blew my mind. And maybe I have a misunderstanding about what makes millennials embarrassed. I mean, I have kids in college and they have you know, co-gender bathrooms. So, you know, that would have mortified me. Doesn't mortify them at all. So, so maybe I don't understand. But, um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I'm Gen X. So I grew up watching anti-litter commercials during Saturday morning cartoons. And, you know, the results of this one question really made me feel like we've done a terrible job in conveying this, that same message to millennials because you guys asked them, you know, which if any of the following habits would you be embarrassed if people found out you had or didn't have? And this this was the result. 41% say they'd be embarrassed if people knew they tossed trash out of the window. That, like, that blew me away. 39% said they'd be embarrassed if somebody knew they were wasting food. Gut punch. That just killed me. 28% they'd be, said they'd be embarrassed if somebody knew they wasted water. What? I live in California where we have a drought. That that just blows me away. And then 25% said that they'd be embarrassed if people knew they didn't recycle things. So, you know, you, you kind of went into this a little bit, but I'd like for you to talk more about what you make of this, these results and maybe more importantly, how companies should react to this information in their sustainability marketing plans. Well, I think we, we would expect 100% of people to be embarrassed about tossing, yeah. tossing trash out the car window, right? Um, yeah. and, and it is my hope and sort of my idea that they wouldn't ever consider doing that. And so it's almost like, well, I wouldn't be embarrassed because I wouldn't do it. Um, okay. And so that's kind of what I'm hoping there. And it could also be that some of these behaviors like wasting food or water um, are not really easy to see, and they've grown up in, in a world where so much of what they do is broadcast, you know, by themselves or by whomever, social mm-hmm. media, things like that, and, and their level of, embar- you know, their tolerance for embarrassment has changed, perhaps, and maybe <laughs> embarrassed isn't the, isn't the right word for that, so maybe Good we point. need to get into, their, get into it a little bit more with these millennials and find out exactly what the heck is going on with these. <laughs> That's a good um, point. Yeah. And I also do think um, a big function, a big thing that's coming into play here is millennials are a young cohort, mostly, um, and some of them are very young, as I mentioned. And, and, you know, I was talking to you about Daniel a little bit ago, and he is um, in college. 
so I was asking him about this recycling thing, and I was like, what, what is going on? Why are you guys not recycling? And, and he, was, he was embarrassed, I'll give him that, but he was like, well, they, they needed more parking in our apartment. So they took the recycle bins away. So now if I want to recycle mm-hmm. something, I have to get in my car, which a college student may or may not have, and drive to the recycle center and recycle my stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, he just doesn't have time. So, you know, there's some bandwidth that's needed for some of these behaviors that really young millennials just may not have. They want to, they will. Um, and as the cohort ages, I think that some of this is going to really shift because I know it has for me. You know, like I said, I'm on the other end of the scale. Um, and, you know, I just have a little more kind of bandwidth in my life uh, to deal with things like this while Daniel is just trying to get from day to day. So when companies are coming up with their sustainability message, how do they take this particular piece of the survey and make it work for them? Because I'm thinking like, you know, I remember PSAs that the um, – you know, that the America Beautiful put out when I was a kid and there was a Native American canoeing down a river that was full of trash and he was crying. And like, I could never litter after that. I mean, that just got to me so badly. But what does it say about how we should be speaking to millennials about these issues um, based on, you know, this part of the survey results? Well, I think, you know, there's an opportunity there. Um, we have this, we're kind of getting this kind of idea from millennials that they're a little overwhelmed by the problem, um, mm-hmm. the environmental issues that are going on. And if a company can show that they are on a large scale um, doing everything they can in these areas, it it helps millennials just in general feel a little better, but also then they look to those companies um, as kind of a partner and, uh, you know, as we'll talk about later, they're more likely to spend their money with them if they can um, to support that company in their efforts. Well, and your report introduces this notion of reverse crowdsourcing, which I think you're alluding to. And I'd like for you to talk to us about what this means. And then again, importantly, how you think companies can use this information for their benefit. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think this is kind of the most interesting thing we uncovered uh, through this report is the way that they're crowdsourcing companies, and that's a big opportunity. Um, so, you know, despite their sort of natural skepticism about companies' environmental and sustainability claims, they're really paying attention to that right now. And, um, you know, they're seeing that a company like Amazon, as big as it, as it is, has tremendous potential to make a positive impact and in ways that maybe they themselves are discouraged about that they can't do. Mm-hmm. Now, what does the report say about factors that influence millennials' purchasing decisions? You had some interesting insights there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a company's approach to sustainability has a really big impact on whether millennials are going to purchase with them. And when, when we ask them what kinds of things impact their purchase decisions, um, 77% said that a company's social or, or business practices would, and 70% said that a company's environmental practices impact their purchasing. So those are really important for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of digging into some of the social issues, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, But, you know, according to the survey, what kinds of things do millennials see as social issues that companies should be addressing? One of the biggest things um, is is around employee treatment and how they take care of their people. That's something that they really have an eye on. Um, and it's, 
It's the most important aspect of social business practices to them. They rank that first. And also, when we asked, you know, if a company was getting something wrong, what would be the worst thing they could get wrong? And um, their top mentions were all about how they treat their people. Mm-hmm. Specifically, like, you know, uh, whether they can be union or, you know, if they are in dangerous working conditions, was there specificity about treating their mm-hmm. employees bad? What kinds of things did that entail? Um, the, well, the top mention, I think this one probably is not surprising, but um, has to do with child labor in developing countries. That's a big kind of a hot button issue there. And then within employee treatment, there's a, a lot of talk about just living wage, providing benefits, um, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And those are important things. And I think, you know, it makes sense to me that millennials would relate to those topics because this is a generation that is, you know, in, in many cases saddled with student debt. Um, and so, you know, this, this idea of wages and uh money that they have to use to further their standard of living, I think that that really would resonate with them. And I don't know if they pay much attention to things, you know, typical labor issues, like uh, whether employees can unionize or not. But I think that it makes a lot of sense that these economic issues would really be important to millennials. Now, I, I wanted to ask, too, you know, your survey had some interesting insights about what actions millennials will take when they trust a brand. Talk to us about that issue, Virginia. Yeah, this is kind of huge, I think. Um, these numbers are, are impressive. But, w- you know, when a millennial trusts a brand's environmental social business practices, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about how companies can get them to do that, but n- uh, 90% of them say they would buy from that brand, and then even on top of that, 95% would recommend that brand's products to other people, friends, family, and social media followers. So that building that brand trust around sustainability is a really strong um, brand link that companies can enact. And it, it's, it's powerful. Well, and I've seen companies like H&M and, and other companies, even, you know, uh, Walmart and whatnot, they actually are starting to put posters up and signage up within the store talking about their sustainability metrics. I mean, it's not just something that you find in an annual report anymore. I mean, they're directly bringing that to the consumer. Do you think that's, you know, a result of their understanding of, of this issue? I think it is. Yeah, it's something that's on everyone's mind. And, you know, regardless of what industry a company is in, they can they can do these kinds of things for their customers and, and get recognition for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to be talking much more about this special report called Millennial Pulse that the Shelton Group has just released. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? 
Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in. For those of you who may not know, I just want to remind you that Go Green Radio is just a small part of a much bigger organization called the Go Green Initiative. I founded it in 2002, and it's an environmental education program that is free to schools, and we are working with schools in all 50 states and in 73 countries around the world, and we help them do two things. First of all, conserve natural resources for future generations, and we're talking about that future generation today, about millennials. And the second thing we help schools do is protect students' health from environmental pollutants. So if you'd like to know more, check out our website at gogreeninitiative.org. We'd love to have you as part of our conversation. We're on social media. We have a lot of things going on and we'd love to fold you into our network and our community. In case you're just tuning in, our guest today is Virginia Vowell. She is a senior research analyst for the Shelton Group and we're talking about a brand new report that they've just released called Millennial Pulse and it's a, a survey that they conducted amongst a thousand millennials to assess their attitudes Toward sustainability issues. And during the break, uh, Virginia was just telling me about a new blog that's gone up on their website. Um, t- talk to us about that, Virginia. Um, yeah, it's kind of a companion piece to this report a little bit, um, but it just kind of gives you a little glimpse into what... Um, what it's like here at Shelton Group in real life. Um, I sit next to Daniel. He's our college intern. And as I was researching this report and kind of getting it ready, I, I would turn to him and I'd go, hey, millennial. Hey, 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 millennial. <laughs> and he would get really annoyed and ignore me. Um, and, and eventually I, I'd get him to talk to me. But uh, I just sort of got into a habit of calling him that. So our, our blog is based around some of these dialogues that we've had. And they really... If you, you know, the two of us are kind of a good example of the two extremes of the 
um, ages that millennial, the millennial cohort encompasses, and, and we're so different, and our life stages are so different, and yet, you know, I think companies a lot of the time will just think, okay, millennials are X, and this is how I'm going to talk to them, um, but you know, there's a lot of variety within the cohort, um, and they've gotten a really bad rap, and that was something that, that Daniel has really experienced more than I have. Um, yeah, I kind of tend to align myself a little more with Gen X, but, you know, he, he was like, why? Don't, don't call me that. That's not a good thing to be called. And I was like, wait, what, what do you mean? It's, it, this whole thing is about millennials. It's about you guys. And he was like, no, 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 no. And we even found this little, um, it's like a, a little app or something you can install on your computer that changes all the instances of the word millennial to snake people. <laughs> which I thought was so bizarre. And I was like, why snake people? He's like, well, anything but millennial. Um, so if you, if you kind of, you can look that up and scroll down and, and it's just really funny to read how they've inserted, but I don't know where that came from, but that's what they just decided. This would be better than millennial. Let's be snake people for a while. So. Well, and they have gotten a bad rep and a lot of people even can't even say the word millennial without a little bit of snark and sass in their, in their mm-hmm. voice. But, and that's unfortunate because we're talking about our fellow human beings, albeit our, our younger ones who still have things that we can teach them. But, um, you know, we have spent a lot of time on Go Green Radio talking about things like a, a sustainable food cycle or talking about cosmetics and and shampoos and things like that that can cause environmental damage but also human health damage and you guys had an interesting part in the survey where you talked about how millennials um, think about products that are in me and products that are on me and I'd love for you to explain a little bit more about their the, the survey results around those issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we asked them the kinds of products and services for which they would research a company's environmental or social business practices. So specifically, they're going to do some research um, on that kind of thing for these companies. And the top three answers were in the categories of food and beverage, which would be in me, mm-hmm. clothing, shoes, or fashion accessories, which is on me, and personal care, cosmetics, and toiletry items, which are also would be considered on me is what we're calling them. So you can kind of get that sense that um, they, they don't, they feel like it's not only having an impact on the environment at large, but it's having an impact on their own bodies and their own environments. So that's a concern and for them, I think too. I, th- I find that very encouraging actually, because for a long time, the environmental movement, and this was even before I joined it, they had a hard time making a connection between human health and well-being and environmental protection. You know, it was all about Mm -hmm. spotted owls, polar bears, trees, and all of that. And I think that it does speak to the success of the movement that millennials get that there's a a personal impact to environmental degradation or environmentally irresponsible business practices. So I think that's a real win. Now, you mentioned, you know, at least some of the reasons that millennials might seek out information about a company's environmental or social practice. When they do, what are they looking for when they do go ahead and make the, the jump to seek out the information? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just to, to kick this off a little bit here, 81% of them are doing that. So they seek information about a company's environmental or social business practices at least occasionally. So that is a lot of millennials doing that, that um, and what they're yeah what they're really looking for um, are first of all that the company addresses the environmental problems inherent in what they make. So whatever it is that they're um, 
product life cycle looks like, they want to make sure that they're in, that millennials want to make sure that companies are minimizing their environmental impact at each step of the way. Um, also, you see coming up here tied with that really was paying their workers a living wage and offering benefits, which we've already talked about as being really important. So that's that social business practice is super important to them. And then this third one I think is really interesting: correct and admit past wrongdoing and apologize for it. Hmm. That is interesting, and that's probably how some of the companies that we were surprised to see come up on the list of trusted brands, um, that's probably how they made it there. So, um, the mea culpa works. <laughs> that's, <It does>. that's, <laughs> now, you know, when millennials are out there looking for this information, is it enough that companies have a statement about environmental stewardship or social, social justice on the company website, or are millennials looking for something more? Definitely something more. It's very much um, an action, not just words, proposition for them. And, you know, part of that is because of, of the great amount of transparency that they have access to. So if you say you're doing it and you're not they're going to know, and they're not going to like that. So when we talked to them about why they trusted those 43% of, 43% of them that said they could trust that company, we asked them why. And the main reasons were that were related to action, really, the company's environmental practices, what they're actually doing, their engagement in social issues. So those are all very kind of action-oriented qualities that, they're, that lead them to trust those brands. Um, so we have a kind of a name it and claim it um, take on all of this and that you know that played out in what we just talked about like it's not so much that they never do a company never do anything wrong but the key is that if if something is going wrong they identify it they admit to it and they tell you what they're doing to make it better and you know what's really interesting about that is that you know probably even as recently as five to seven years ago, there were a lot of companies who didn't want to say anything about sustainability on their website. They didn't want to include it in PR because they were afraid that if they put themselves out there as trying to do something green or trying to be sustainable and they had a mistake, that they would get crucified for it. And you know, they were really worried about sort of um, exposing themselves by even saying anything about, you know, uh, their sustainability efforts because they might get accused of being greenwashers. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting to see how forgiving uh, it seems that millennials are. As lo- you know, they, they kind of realize that companies are made up of people and we are not perfect and that as long as we keep trying, that earns points for companies with millennials. Is that, am I reading that right, what you're saying about the survey results? Absolutely. And, and I'll tell you that um, just overall here, not just with millennials, but um, with all, all kinds of cohorts, what, what we're seeing is that the kinds of messages that really resonate are ones that um, recognize that there, that there are large issues at play here and that if a company is focused on forward progress, that's really what people want to know. They know that it's not all going to be fixed right now. It's not going to be perfect. But any messages that, that recognize that they're better than they used to be and not as good as they will be um, have a lot of resonance with all kinds of consumers. I love that. I think that's a huge, huge pivot um, in where we were just a few years ago with um, sustainability, marketing, and messaging. Now, this I, 
I had to smile when you when I saw this part of the survey. You found that there's a disparity between the sources where millennials say they would find information that would make them believe a company is sustainable and the sources where they actually look for information on a company's <laughs> sustainability work. And I'd really love for you to talk to us about that disparity and what that means for companies who are trying to reach millennials with their sustainability message. Yeah, um, that, this was interesting. Um, because the first, the first question was about believability. Okay, so we asked them to rank the top three ways that they could hear about and believe a company's environmental or social business practices. So the top three answers there, TV or print news, word of mouth, uh, or a joint announcement with an independent nonprofit group. So you're looking at that and you're thinking, okay, oh, I know how I would... Uh, how I need to market to them then. But when we then went to ask them how they had actually received information that they believed about a company's environmental and social business practices, the top answer was social media. Um, the, the second was well, social media posts. The second was a Facebook ad. And the third was a YouTube ad. So there was basically no overlap. <laughs> <laughs> so what um, does that mean for companies, you know, with, who's, who read this and say, um, now what do I do? What is your recommendation? Well, you know, obviously, social media is a big source of information for everyone. And, you know, millennials are on their small screens a lot more than they're on their TVs. Um, So that's kind of where you need to connect with them. Um, And they're paying attention to that for sure. Uh, You know, and and they'll see these other messages in these other mediums. And those do add to the believability. But when it comes to the frequency of actually getting information, their focus there is more on um, social media messaging. Mm-hmm. Well, and the truth of the matter is, I mean, even if you put out a press release, if you're not tweeting it and putting it on other forms of social media to, you know, to get the word out to a variety of audiences, you're losing anyway, you know, so I think right, that's right. kind of part and parcel with the way that companies and organizations have to communicate. I mean, even, uh, you know, traditional news organizations do the same thing. So that's not too surprising. But I I think it's really interesting, you know, to kind of note that disparity. And and there are probably other generations and other uh, demographics that would report a similar way, you know, that... that, Mm -hmm of getting information and what what they think that we want to hear in terms of, of where they get information. But we're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we have much more to talk about with this new report, Millennial Pulse. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. 
Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us so that we can go over this amazing new report that was really enlightening called Millennial Pulse. It was put out by Shelton Group. It's brand new, hot off the presses. And in case you didn't catch it in an earlier segment, our guest today is Virginia Vowell, and she's a senior research analyst for Shelton Group. You know, Virginia, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, uh, millennials focus on products that are in me or on me, but I don't want companies that are outside of that realm to feel like, you know, this report has nothing to do with them. I mean, are there industries that are excluded or exempt from the results of this survey, or do you think the findings are salient across all industries? Uh, Well, I think all industries can benefit from this crowdsourcing idea. Um, You know, regardless of whether your product has environmental impact or the way you make your product or even just your place of business. I mean, most businesses have some kind of a physical location that has an impact on the environment around it. So um, I think, you know, they can all kind of participate in this and take those environmental steps and let millennials know about it, and then they'll be more likely to purchase from them. Well, and I think another piece of this, too, is that um, individual consumers are getting more and more savvy about the notion of supply chain, and that, you know, most companies don't make everything that they sell from raw materials to out the door. And so, even for companies that pretty much just do business, you know, B2B, where they really don't have a forward-facing campaign to directly to consumers, it still matters if your company shows up in a consumer-facing industry supply chain. And I think, you know, there are more and more companies who have been coming to me saying, you know, we have this big client, maybe we do logistics for them or something like that. And they're asking us all of these sustainability questions. Why is that? And I think that's because they know that consumers are starting to look at, you know, the the whole supply chain. And I don't know if you have any insights Mm -hmm. on that, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. Oh, absolutely. Um, And, you know, some of our clients have huge, far-reaching supply chains. And so there's there's demand all along the supply chain, and then and then there's pull also from the consumers, as you said, to to know that the company is doing everything they can at each step of the way. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Virginia, I'd love to give you the chance to talk about your company um, so that our listeners understand, you know, who's behind this this terrific survey and this great report. Um, your website says that the Shelton Group is, and I quote, the nation's leading marketing communications firm focused exclusively on energy and the environment. And for our listeners who are not in corporate America or might be unfamiliar with the concept of marketing communications, help us understand what you do and what kind of clients you serve. Well, um, Shelton, you know, we're here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we're all pretty mission-driven around here. We, we have kind of this vision that every home and building would be energy responsible that sustainability is the norm. It's expected. Everybody does it. Um, so what we do for our clients is we try to create a market advantage for any companies that are trying to create a sustainable, responsible future. So that looks different, you know, for all different kinds of companies. Um, but some of our focus areas are um, helping utilities to market their energy efficiency and renewables programs. And we partner with NGOs to communicate more effectively We worked with a lot of manufacturers in the built environment to sell products and services um, that make their residential commercial buildings more sustainable. Um, And then we have a a bigger Fortune 500 brands that are just trying to tell a general corporate sustainability story. Um, So some of those clients, just to give you an example, Consumers Energy, which is the utility in Michigan. We just did a bunch of work up there. Certainty, which makes insulation Power Secure, Kohler, which I'm sure you've heard of, mm-hmm. the Environmental Defense Fund, um, and even, you know, I mentioned that big supply chain, ExxonMobil Chemical is, uh, is one of our clients as well. So they have a very complicated um, sustainability story that they're working on. That's so interesting. And, you know, what's great is that you're in Knoxville, Tennessee, not Portland, not San Francisco. You know, everybody thinks of yeah. those cities as sort of the hub of that sort of thinking. But um, give us an idea of the background that some of the Shelton Group team members have that, that make them so focused on these issues. I find that really fascinating. Well, you know, we have, uh, we have a really a kind of a fun variety of people here, um, and we do have, we do market research, of course. We also do uh, creative um, advertising materials and different kinds of communications. Um, I actually have a bachelor's degree in musical theater. <laughs> <laughs> in awesome. addition to my uh, MBA, and um, you know, we've got social anthropology, we've got um, a, a wide variety of people here, really, and Suzanne Shelton, our, our CEO, um, founded this company, you know, with this really strong vision in her mind that, you know, we've all, we all kind of get to be a part of, and you know, she asked us just the other day, what's, what is, what's the purpose of Shelton Group? And we said, mm, save the planet. She's like, yes, well, yes, yes. <laughs> Let's do that. I love that. I love that. And I'd like for you to give us some idea and uh, maybe a couple of specific examples of how you help clients with issues like, um, let's say, energy and renewables or efficiency and conservation. What kinds of things can you help your clients with when it comes to those issues? Well, for instance, um, you know, I mentioned we have utility clients, and they have a tough job because they are selling energy. Um, so their customers have 
a really wide variety of ideas about what that's supposed to look like and how much of a role renewables should play in that. Um, and then that's, that's one of the places where we hear a lot about that. Tell me that you're doing something. Tell me the story. Are you using more renewable energy than you used to? And are you going to use more in the future? They're more interested in that long-term view than how, many, how much of the energy mix is renewables right now. Um, and also, you know, a utility is asking their customers sometimes to use less of their product, which is a very weird idea to a lot of people. It makes them kind of suspicious. Like, why are you asking me to use less? So we have to help them communicate with their customers about why that is, what's in it for them, what's in it for their customers, and what role renewables and energy efficiency play in this whole bigger picture. Well, and you know what's so important about what you guys are doing, Virginia, is that, you know, some of the things that our country needs in order to move towards a more sustainable future will revolve around public policy. And utility companies are highly regulated. And, uh, you know, I, I am always aghast at the fact that some of the most important things that will relate to our standard of living in the future um, are the least sexy topics, the least likely topics (laughs) to come up in political debates like infrastructure, like, you know, investments on renewables. And what you're doing could actually help move the needle on informing and uh, empowering voters to bring those things up with people who are running for office who might have the ability to, to help um, hasten a more sustainable future through public policy. And mm-hmm. I'm, I, I hope that you guys feel really proud of that <laughs> because your messaging could end up being, you know, much more widespread. Absolutely. We're, we're excited, we're passionate, and we're just glad to be hopefully part of the solution here. Well, I'd love to give you a, a few minutes, you know, a few seconds here before we go um, to leave any last thoughts with our listeners, Uh, Virginia. It's been great having you on, but what would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, um, our Millennial Pulse is just one of our Pulse studies. Um, So we have done a lot of work um, on uh, energy and the environment through these pieces of research um, in addition to all our client work. So I think think this tells a really compelling story for brands uh, about how they can engage millennials and kind of really, really get some good brand loyalty going through their environmental and social practices. So um, if, I, I don't think we talked yet about the, the website, sheltongrp.com. Um, you can see Absolutely. the blog on there that we talked about. You can download the report for free. Um, there are other blogs and reports available there as Fantastic. well. Thank you so much, Virginia. It's been a pleasure having you on. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in as well. We'll be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. And until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.